something that you can taste. You know, it, it's there maybe for two, three days, and it's not there on the regular basis. And one time, just recently, I had an opportunity to taste a chocolate. And, you know, chocolate could be dark, could be milk chocolate, could be with nuts, could be with uh, fruits, yeah. caramel, uh, you know, with, with chocolate. And I love to, to taste that. And sometimes when I'm with my wife, I say, well, this is good. And then I taste another piece, and I say, this is good. And then we ask each other at the end, uh, which one is the best to you? And so I would say, I think this is the best. <laughs> Have you ever had food that you ate before, but then in one place, one home, somebody treated you to something, and you said, this is the best I ever had? Have you had it? Even ice cream. Sometimes I love ice cream, but sometimes you taste and it's the best. So for our, for our Christian walk with God, what is the most important thing that you can think of for a Christian or believer? If I say faith is on the top of the list, you would say yes, because without faith, we are not Christians. We are not believers. Without trust, without belief, without faith, we are nothing. Have you ever tried to move, move a pile of sand, big pile of sand with a shower? I'm sure that many of us had to do something, to dig something, right? And in the Bible it says that faith can move mountains. So what it describes is that it's such, such a faith that does something that is impossible. If I give you a shower and say, I would like you to, to move this mountain on which we are today, you know, 20 miles away. Can you do that? So it's basically describing something that is impossible to you, right? Right. So if we have faith, God, who has power to actually move mountains, he can move mountains in your life. In our life, we have a lot of mountains, right? And when we have faith, that helps us to move those mountains. So what can be better than faith? I cannot even imagine that there could be anything better than faith that moves mountains. But the scripture says to us, love is better. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of this is love. Faith, it's a confidence in, in the future. For Lutheran tradition, faith is so important. I remember I went to Germany in one of the monasteries, and there is a little tiny room. It's made out of wood. There is a bench 
made out of wood. There is a little table made out, out of wood. And that's the place where Luther was hiding from persecution, from giving his life for what he believed the scriptures teaching. And in that year, one of the monks was invited him and hid him in that monastery. He was able to translate the Bible into the German language. And this translation is still so good. When my father was translating the Bible into Russian language, uh, he was using German translation. And German figures, uh, when he was in concentration camp during Stalin uh, you know, time. So it, it happened almost right away after the World War II. And a lot of generals, officers, from the German army was still there in Siberia. When he was arrested for his beliefs, uh, that in that place there were hard criminals, somebody who killed, murdered someone, but also political prisoners, they were all together. And those who were involved in a war, they were always there too. So my father was uh, trying to learn German German language, not knowing that it's going to help him to translate the Bible. And 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak the, the tongues of the man or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong and clanging symbol. If I have a gift of prophecy, and can phantom and mysteries and all the knowledge. If I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm not. So the languages that First uh, Corinthians 13 is talking about, it's all the languages of man. Also impossible. I don't know anybody who knows all the languages of man. But usually you can know all the languages of man and the languages that angels speak, but do not have love, it's nothing. Love is greater than faith. You know, if you Google, if you search internet, and if you put faith, movement, it will give you uh, it will give you some sites and articles about faith movement. And those movements were discussing predominantly, and they talk about the faith movement as being separate from the traditional church establishment. However, if you Google the word, the word love, what will you get? What pops up is Articles about free love it has nothing to do with the, you know, love that the Bible describes. It's the movement, social movement that accepts all forms of love and it seeks the complete freedom from state and church in personal relationships. And it's said that we do not talk about love more than we, we are.
Do you remember what Jesus said first time he spoke to his father? Anybody remembers? Nicodemus came to him at night. And we probably would not have that famous uh, text in the Bible that everybody loves. Almost everybody loves. And he spoke about his father to Nicodemus. And he said, for God so loved the world. That's the first thing in the Bible, in, in the Gospel of John, we find that he spoke about his father. For God so loved the world. The way God, our, our, our God Father loves us, it's not the love that we express when we love food, when we love to walk, when we love sunset. It's sacrificial type of love. And it's predicted in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, and because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. And it's a prophecy. It's going to happen. We can see that happening. That people have less and less the love. Heavenly love. And Paul so in Corinthian, Corinthian church faith, he saw a lot of faith and zeal, but he could not see love. And John says, God is love. And God never changed. So it means that this love existed before, it exists now, and it's going to exist forever. But now faith, hope, love abide these three. But the greatest of this is love. Faith, what it does, it helps us to start our relationship with God. But how do we present the gospel most of the time? Isn't it true that sometimes we don't, don't present it the way it is supposed to be? What is the greatest gospel message was in the Old Testament? And we are big about that as Seventh-day Adventists. We teach about this a lot. The sanctuary, right? It's a message. The sanctuary itself is a message. It was supposed to be a message, not just illustration, but a message of what, what, what was to come about the plan of salvation. Sometimes people preach about the judgment. If you are not going to uh, believe in God, you will be judged, right? You will be in hell forever, and you, it, you will be tortured forever. And sometimes you hear it from the pulpit, that's the gospel, how the gospel is preached. But look with, uh, with me, Let, let's look together at this sanctuary for a second. There was only one entrance to the sanctuary. There was not entrance at the back. So when the believer would come in, what was the first item? It's the largest item in the sanctuary. What was the largest item in the sanctuary? 
that he would see first the altar of sacrifice. What the altar of sacrifice symbolizes? So the, the sacrifices of the animal animals would symbolize the cross. The sacrifice that Jesus gave for us, right? And why did he didn't die for us? Is it because of the judgment? Because of love. Because of love. So what you see in the beginning of the message of, of Old Testament is love. Right? That's the first message. Then, blood of the animal that was sacrificed for you is taken into the... Uh, once a year, it was taken by the priest in, inside. And you have first the holy place. Let's go to a little bit easier uh, way to see. So, altar is one on my right, it's on the left, actually, what you see, right? So here is the altar, where the animal was, animal was sacrificed. This is the entrance. So this is the cross, symbolizes the cross. Labor, what is labor? Anybody knows? It's water, it's, it's the place where the priest would maybe wash uh, themselves, and uh, it symbolizes what? Holy Spirit, but I would also say the baptism. The baptism, right? So when uh, you first heard about the love of God, then you get baptized, and then the believer enters into the holy place through the priest. Of course, the uh, priest is taking that role. And uh, every day, the priests were serving in this space, in the holy place. And on the right, you have the table of showbread, 12 mm -hmm. pieces of bread, representing that it's the word of God that's supposed to be dealt daily for all the people, the, the believers. And every piece was one piece for each tribe of Israel. Mm -hmm. It was laying there for seven days, and then it was removed. You also have lampstand. What lampstand symbolizes? It has oil, it has fire and oil, and then fire and oil is representation of, of the Holy Spirit, right? And then you have altar of incense, and that's like a smoke coming up, symbolizes the prayers. So what we have here for the believer is a daily activity that every believer has to do. You have to open the Word of God and read it. You have to use every day the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can teach you how to live and what to do and where to go. And then you have an outer opening sense. It's a conversation, it's a relationship with God on a daily basis. And at the end, what this place represents is mercy of God and judgment of God. And it represents the final judgment of God. 
So our message is actually, actually a message of love should be always the message of love. So Galatians, it says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. So when we read the scripture, sometimes I hear people asking this question, do we have to do anything for our salvation? Yes. And when Luther translated the Bible, he read the Bible, especially the book of Romans, he decided to add one word that is not in the original. When he said in the scripture there, when he translated, righteous will live by faith, he added one word. Who, who knows what word it is? Alone. Alone. In German Bible, it says alone. Is he right? Is, when it comes to salvation, faith is the most important thing. But according to James, faith without work is there. So somehow the, the faith has to be connected to work. But how? We don't want to be Pharisees, we don't want our work to be means for salvation. We want our faith to be a means for salvation. But where work comes into, into this place? See, in this text it says, faith working through love. Isn't it, pos is it possible that when we speak about uh, work, we're not speaking about digging sand? What work is? Maybe it's love, right? Is it possible that that work that James was speaking about is actually love? Love in actions? Isn't, it's, it's a work, but it's, it's love. Because he says here, faith works through love. So Greek word um, translated for working, in this verse is energeo, which means which means uh, brought about by, and the, the Greek word for through is um, translate could be translated um, brought about. So it's like brought about. So if you read Amplified Bible translation for this verse, it would be for if we are in Christ. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. What use it is, brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? Is it possible that we can be saved but we are not loving people. No. And James wrote that if we have faith, 
we should also have works which demonstrates our faith. Now listen to what John said in first, uh, John chapter 3 and verse 17. Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word and with tongue, but in deed and truth. So James and Paul both come confirming that faith relates to us through love. Love does not seek reward. Beloved, love one another. And Jesus said that how the world will know that we love, that, that we're Christians because we love one another. Gandhi said that he loves Christ, but he would never become a Christian because of Christians. By this love of God, which was manifested for us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into this world. So, that through him, in his love, that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loves us so much, we also ought to love one another. Amen. So, there was one time in California uh, when it was a gold fever, and I'm sure nobody remembers it. <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, but we all know it from history. that There was uh, gold that was discovered, and lots of men from the east, from the west, began to dig <laughs> places looking for gold. And there was a man who lived in New England uh, with his family, with his boy and his wife. And one day he decided to go. So he went by himself. And he thought that if he's going to be successful, if he is going to dig enough gold, he will bring his family to join him. And one day the wife received a telegram or invitation so she could come. So she was so joyful that she just could not wait to see her husband. And she took her boy to New York, got on, on a board, Pacific steamer sailed away to San Francisco. They had not been long uh, in a sea, and they heard the cry, fire, fire, fire. And there was a powder magazine on board, and Captain knew the moment the fire reached the powder, every man, a woman, and child would perish. So they got into the lifeboats, but they were not, it was not enough uh, for all the passengers. And in a minute, they were overcrowded. The last one was just pushing away, and when the mother 
and saw it, she decided to plead to save her and her boy. And they said, said to her, no, we don't have uh, space for both of you. We just have space for one. And she uh, treated, uh, she pleaded with them so earnestly. But at last, they said they would take only one. Do you think that she jumped into that boat and left her son? The boat? No. She seized her boy, gave him last hug, kissed him, and dropped him over into the boat. And I'm thinking about love. It's the essence of of life. Without love, I don't think we would be able to exist. Love of God. This is something that we will cherish, something we will study for the whole eternity. Because there is so much into, into it. So, before Jesus went to the cross, he spent time with his disciples, with his friends, and uh, he instituted Lord's Supper, which we're going to have today. It's a reminder for us about his love. It's a reminder for us when we break the bread, And I don't think that we should be reminded only once in a quarter. I believe that every time we eat something, every time we we eat bread, we should remember Jesus. It's a great symbolism. And every time we drink juice, we should remember about his blood that was spilled for us. And thank him for that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for sacrificing your son, sending your son to die for us. And today, as we celebrate that moment, help us to remember it every day, and every day come to you in prayers, thanking for for that sacrifice. Love is the greatest thing, but we are still far away from, from loving each other like we should. So we are asking you to continually knock into the doors of our heart and so that you can come in and, and be with us. We ask us to, you, you, we're asking you to bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen.